Warning, the following content contains sounds. Some sapiens of Homo have episodic memories with undesired correlation sensations with particular sounds depending upon their mood and personalities. Although many attach their identities with notions and actions, the mockery that is included in here is directed towards the latter two and not the first. Having said that, hello, welcome to Correlation Sensations, a show where I talk about your mother's mammalian protuberances. Yes, yes. Oh yeah! You like those tunes? That is the band Scapegoat. We have a link in the description of each episode. It shows all the credits given to the people that were involved in this. Yes, that's just right. Now, we're going to present to you another pleasurable moment with the two hosts Gorkin Boy. Plato number two. And this is going to be part two of Plato, like Void had said. In this, we're going to cover one book of Plato's called Ferris. Yes, go fair yourself. If you don't like how I pronounce it, you can go fair your face. Oh, God, Void, where'd you get that announcer? I don't know. He came with a starter pack. Oh, yeah, he might have upset her listeners. I don't know. I like him. You like him? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Anywho's. Yeah. We don't need to say much more about that. Our job is done. Let's go home. Or look at our phones. Sorry. We'll do that too. I was just reading news. Uh-huh. You can read the news after this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Plato is on the menu today. Mm, yes. It's nice and salty. Exactly. Yeah. From a tube. From the tube. Yeah. The name of the book I have read is uh, Phaedrus. I wonder. I heard someone pronounce it Phaedrus. Phaedrus, Phaedrus. But I don't know how you get that sound with an A and an E. I. My English was different. Yeah. Well, they still translated the name with uh, letters that are used in the English language. Mm. Yeah. This is just one of many books Plato is accused of uh, creating, yeah. It is said to have been created in uh, 360 BCE. This book reads as a dialogue between Socrates and Phaedrus. I will now quote the very beginning for the person consuming this communication to get the picture of uh, what the work is uh, reflecting upon. Mm -hmm. This book is uh, for free. You can get on the webs from none other than MIT. I'm starting to really enjoy that that whole place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Phaedrus and Socrates are the only two people in this composition, which is what I said, the dialogue, since there are no specific indications that this book is satire, notes gathered on a real dialogue, or just a Socratic method conjured up by Plato himself to reflect uh, similar conversations or reflections on one specific moment Socrates himself told Plato about. Any postulation given is not clearly something of fact, so you can go blow yourselves and blow your moms, because I know they have dicks. Nevertheless, it is safe to say that uh, this is like a movie or history book produced by someone who has a conflict of interest. Yup. Where you are welcome to read it too, if you don't want to listen to me and uh, Void talk about it. Yes. Uh, you can believe if it's true or not. I don't care. Some people think it is. Some people think it's not. What do you think, Void? Maybe hypothesis or maybe reflection. Yeah. But did you know in the story, Phaedrus uh, is known to have a book of the conversation written. Uh-huh. So I go, maybe this is per words in another dialogue that Socrates had relayed to Plato. I don't know. But uh, that is just a hint there inside the book that it doesn't really mean anything. So there you go. Socrates starts off the conversation addressing Phaedrus, asking Phaedrus where he has been and where is he going. Lysias is a person who was son of Cephalus. Cephalus. I like syphilis better, what do you think? 
It's just kind of disgusting, and it makes you go nuts in the brain. Yeah, that's the fun part. And what the Kwanki think? We're both crazy. No, love is considered uh, craziness. Oh, yes. Yes. And Cephalus is actually a doctrine that uh, Plato was taught in his early years, or at least that's what it said. If you don't know that, go back to the last episode and listen to it now. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you listen to it. Oh, and then you go from episode one, go to two, three. If you need help, you can use your fingers. Because apparently they were broken to the point where you chose this one instead of all the other ones. I know, but maybe it's newest on page. Yeah, newest on page. We'll go back. Now, we are helping you. You will be confused. Maybe not, but I don't care. Go back. So where was I? Hmm, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. So, Phaedrus saw the son of Cephalus, who was Lysias. And he was uh, indicated that he planned on going outside the city walls for a moment for fresh air. Away from the hubbub of the inner walls, the fart trappings of the words. Socrates expresses that he didn't realize that the one named Lysias was in town. Where a specific location in the person Lysias was staying with was given by Phaedrus. This is the moment where Socrates wants to know what sort of communication had transpired between Lysias and Phaedrus. This is where Phaedrus convinces Socrates to travel with him if he wants to know what happened. Ha ha ha. So it's like I only tell you if you come with me. Oh yeah, very funny. Notice this relationship right now. You keep this in mind when we go deeper into what they say about something else. And then you'll be like, wow, that's kind of hypocritical. Oh, haha, I said hypocritical. I mean, hypocritical. Ah, yeah. Freudian slip. Yeah, the slip of the Freudian. I can't wait to cover that guy. That guy was interesting with yes. the boobies of the mommies and the stuff like that. Oh, yes. Then you have a thing about saying everyone wants to F their mom or something weird like that. You don't? No. Oh, you don't have wet dream? Not your mom's boobies? No, it's just disgusting. I mean, maybe other mommy's boobies, but not my mom. Are you sure not a uh, stigma of social, you know, whiplash might get you to say no even though you say yes? Mother's bosom. It was good enough for you when you were a milk feeding, yeah? Yes, but I needed that to live. And to give you a fun, fancy time with big boobs. I probably don't think I would remember that, but one of my, uh, distant relatives was breastfed till four. I was kind of confused. You know, there's a lot of good things at breast milk. I would like to drink some myself one day, because they have a good uh, enzymes, and they actually help you get immunity to some things for yes. a certain amount of time. I remember in famous book, baby died, and then the old man was dying. And then a pregnant lady fed the old man so he would live. There's some speculation to say that um, breast milk is uh, of the human's breast milk, not the cow's breast milk, is the only actually true superfood. Ah. Because of all the wonderful things it has in there. It helps with your whole gut flora. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, you know, pasteurization in the whole industry has uh, screwed the humans out of having the real pleasure of a real cow milk. Ah, uh, there was a funny story of where a guy was so excited about it being legal to have unpasteurized milk that he drank it and hated it. Well, so, yeah, you're used to one thing and then you'll be like, this is not the same thing I'm used to. Yeah, so he, he thought it would... Tastes better from the source, and if you're used to it, it's probably just more gamey. I have had it before, and natural, because they give you a taste on dairy farm. Tastes very sour. I would totally like that, like sour patch milk, but not sour in the bad way. It's just very uh, how you say gamey. But mm. I'm game. Yes, it also depends on what they ate, because it is a lot better if they eat actual hay and grass and stuff. Instead versus of corn? Yeah. 
Corner bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watch a cooking show where a guy uses unpasteurized milk to do different things. And he is like makes pastries, all kinds of stuff, and creams, belchamels, and cheese stuff. And he, he is from Canada, and their milk comes in bags. Every single person has a pitcher of milk that's inside a bag. So it's in a pitcher inside a bag. That's just how they did things. You know who else's milk comes in bags? Who? Babies. Titties? Yeah. Oh. Milk bags. Yes. Fun bags. Yeah. So, back to topic? Yes. Okie dokie. It is easily assumed that the two make their way toward destination while speaking with each other. And they talk about the prior experience. The theme of this whole dialogue is the topic of love. 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 La 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 love. Talk about love. 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 Gork, all you need is titties. In titties, 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 titties. Titties. Okay. I'll go back. Okay. Phaedrus expresses that this is something Socrates enjoys to reflect upon. Phaedrus says that the Messiah seems to have written about a younger person who was tempted by someone rather than a lover. Where Messiah says somehow, quote-unquote, ingeniously proved that the non-lover should be accepted rather than the lover. Socrates then says the following, quote, Oh, that is a noble of him. I wish that he would say the poor man rather than the rich, and the old man rather than the young one. Then he would meet the case of me and many of a man. His words would be quite refreshing, and he would be a public benefactor. For my part, I do so long to hear his speech, that if you walk all the way to Megara, and when you have reached the wall, come back as Herodotus recommends the beepy boop on the phone, can you go without going on your phone for Alright. Come on, it's like a crack for you. I know. I know. I just got to look at those titties. Uh-huh. So... That was a quote ruined by Void. Not me. It wasn't anything to do with my response. Not at all. Right? Maybe. I'm not in control of my actions whatsoever. With your jelly belly drink? It's just seltzer water. Uh-huh. Yeah, seltzer water. Was it good? Okay. Oh, okay. I've never seen it before. That's why I talk about it. Uh, brand new. What? Aboriginal. You mean original? Yeah, 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 that's what I said. Okay, let's keep going talking about the love. Oh, yeah. Phaedrus replies to Socrates. It goes, what do you mean, my good Socrates? How can you imagine that my unpracticed memory can do justice to an elaborate work? With the greatest rhetorician of the age spent a long time in composing. Indeed, I cannot. I would give a great deal if I could. At this point, my correlation sensation is relaying the similarity of satire I have witnessed in my own life and have played a part in myself. Emphasizing how great of an individual Esaias was, in the great amount of effort he put into such a speech would not be something justly portrayed by Phaedrus himself to attempt to recall. Yes, yes. The correlation sensation I have when proceeding to Socrates' response, grow as the following quote was read. <coughs> I believe that I know Phaedrus about as well as I know myself, and I am very sure that the speech of Lysias was repeated to him not only once, but again and again, and again and again. He insisted on hearing it many times over, and Lysias was very willing to gratify him. At last, when nothing else would do, he got a hold of the book itself and looked at what he most wanted to see. This occupied him during the whole morning. And then when he was tired of sitting, he went out to take a walk. Not until by the dog, as I believe, he had simply learned by here the entire discourse. Unless it was unusually long and he went to a place outside the wall that he might have practiced his lesson. There, he saw a certain lover of discourse who had a similar weakness. He saw and rejoiced 
Now thought he, I shall have a partner in my revels. And he invited him to come and walk with him. But when the lover of discourse begged that he would repeat the tale, he gave himself airs and said, No, I cannot, as if he were indisposed. Although, if the hearer had refused, he would sooner or later have been compelled by him to listen, whether he would or no. Therefore, Phaedrus, bid him do at once what he will do soon to whatever bitten or not. End quote. So, that's a pretty interesting conversation. Yes. I like what Socrates' uh, personality is displayed as right there. Seems like a very likable dude. Yes. Very rational. I really like it how he basically says, Oh, if I know him like I think I do, I'm pretty sure he's going to play like a silly boy and say, Oh, no, I shouldn't do that. Maybe I want to do it a lot, but I will pretend like I don't, because a lot of people like to play these kind of games. Yes. And I like how Socrates called him out on it. Oh, this is knocking at the window. Okay. Keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Bo, 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 bo. Okay. That was just a shoe salesman. Oh, yes. Notice I had not been wearing my shoes. He says they smell, go home, smell you later. He didn't say that. You liar. Yes, he did. No, no, people, my feet smell just fine. Smell just like the fungus they deserve. The fungus among us. Yep. So, based off prior experiences or words expressed from the lips of others regarding Lysias, led Socrates to believe Lysias to have particular temperament, to stroke his own ego by continuously bashing an opinion that Lysias had somehow been married to. Either way, a strong reverence for any thought, person, place, or thing is all in its own type of love, which blinds a person from hearing contradictory notions. Phaedrus reluctantly bends over to show the great brown eye of experience which Socrates had demanded, because he came to a realization that Socrates wouldn't stop demanding the mind flatulence that was soon to be expressed from Phaedrus's lips. Perhaps Phaedrus truly wanted to talk about it, which is what I think. Nevertheless, the conversation is far from over. No, 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 no. There's over 94 pages of this book. All this nonsense. You can continue to listen or go back and read that, huh? So, they decide to go off into the distance to sit under a tall, plain tree to cool their feet in the stream under the tree. A comment is given regarding the lack of footwear that uh, Socrates had been wearing for some reason, so they could cool their dogs off in the stream if they wanted to. Shortly after, Socrates rambled on about some Greek religious deities and contradicting stories regarding the death of lovers, blah blah blah. Socrates then goes on to say he has not had enough leisure time to go on into these type of stories, for he is a philosopher and he thinks that he can do better than the mythology that was concocted at the time, or before their time, because it, it was actually considered ancient rhetoric. Oh, wow. Or ancient philosophy. Actually crude ancient philosophy. Uh-huh. This most certainly would have pissed off some people at his day, during his day. I tell you what, I continue to claim to leave scraps of this mythology to the common opinions of others. He continued to claim to leave these scraps of mythology to common opinions of other people. Yep. Here's a quote from Socrates. Am I a monster more complicated and swollen with passion than the serpent of Typho, or a creature of gentler and simple sort, to whom nature has given a diviner and lowlier destiny? Did he just do a sexual induendo? I don't know. Swollen with passion like a serpent of Typho. More swollen. Whoa. I tell you what. Remember that Kardashian video we watched? Yes. Yeah. Felt like I had a serpent of typho. Oh gosh, you need to go get that checked out. No, I went away. Oh. It didn't last longer than three hours. Oh, okay. Oh no, did you take blue pill from mail? No. I put that in your food. Oh, oh, oh. Right before you went to sleep. No wonder I had wet dreams. Back to topic? Yeah. Okay. Okay, doggy.
This is when the two characters noticed that they were each their destination. Socrates exerts his long gusts of words once again, speaking of the details of the place, such as the sounds of the wind, shadows casted by the tree, and the stream's clarity with a poetic perception. Afterwards, Phaedrus points out that Socrates must not get out much. Socrates agrees and expresses how he is a lover of knowledge that the teachers dwell in the city rather than in the country, and that Phaedrus lures Socrates out like some old cow with a fruit dangled in front of them, even though I thought cows preferred grass. You ever seen a cow eat a grape? I don't know. Maybe it's just old saying. I think the cow would have become diabetic with the grapes. I don't know. Phaedrus desires to get down to business and claims that he will not fail what they came for because he was not Socrates' lover. Lovers repent for the kindness they've been shown following the moment they have stopped their passion. And in contrast, non-lovers are free and without compulsion, so repenting never comes, all over their face or otherwise. Rather, they have benefits based on their abilities, even though lovers do too, which helps them be more productive on their own interests. Even though lovers have uh, their own interests too, lovers neglect their own needs and give their services to others, making their troubles multiply. While the non-lovers are not tormented by such memories of wasted time, the non-lover doesn't forget to take care of his business every day because they aren't excuses created in their mind to satisfy another lover, which gets rid of their problems, thus making the non-lover gratified the beloved, I guess satisfying the almighty deity rather than another real person is somehow greater. Apparently when you have successes because you take care of your business, it has nothing to do with the fact that you worked hard, it has everything to do with the deity giving you a gift for uh, working hard. Yep. Oh, that's a little silly because you can see your hard work pay through, say if you worked hard at your job and you got to raise or you got paid that, that day or... But that's the deity. Mm. The deity whispered in your boss's ear and said, give him a raise. Give him a pat on the back. So that was a way to keep the populace in control. So they said maybe you weren't being pious enough if you uh, weren't getting what you wanted. I kind of like what a lot of people are saying now. What? Religion was started off of some sort of uh, philosophical point of view and or drug hallucinations where then they start to believe things or start to create metaphors in a poetic version. And then leaders somehow see this as a great way to uh, confuse people and scare them into doing what they want. Oh yes, especially when early people couldn't read in the early colonies and different places so they had to pay to be read to and that's why how they got their saying done. How early are you talking about because colonies had started way before we know of history. No, no, I mean through the spread of the uh, American colonies. Oh yeah? Yes. Yeah, I heard that happened before that too. Yes, because the common man couldn't read. At least not Latin. Yeah. At least I was taught that there's more people illiterate in the revolutions and the American Revolution than there were in the early 1900s. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I was told because a lot more people were reading. Oh, yes. But then again, there's no actual hard evidence for, you know, who was literate and who wasn't. Yes. But the general population was in the city... And the uh, printing press was kind of a really popular thing. Oh, yes. But, uh, you know, I'm not a historian. I'm just a lowly human like all of you. Oh, yes. that reminds me. I'm running for president 2020. Vote Gork. We will make America great finally. Yes. Because nobody has made America great yet. And uh, you disagree? Well, we can duke it out with some words. I'll show you my rhetoric. Okay. I'll unzip my pants. Uh-huh. And uh, let my rhetoric come out. I also call him Plato because he's girthy. And you put them in jar? Who in jar? Your Plato. No! What? Wait. I could do that, but how do I put the lid on? I don't know. Hmm. 
Maybe you are lead. Oh, I like your thinking. Yes. Then I could set myself on a shelf. Practice planks. Ooh, that's be good control. Spin like top. But I think that would leave a big round of bruise around my genitalia. Yes. Back to topic. Phaedra seems to me to have been setting up a strong man. Why, do you ask? It's because of this quote. If you say that the lover is more to be esteemed, because his love is thought to be greater, for he is willing to say and do what is hateful to other men, in order to please his beloved, that, if true, is only proof that he will prefer any future lover to his present, oh. and will injure his old love at the pleasure of the new one, Phaedrus. Oh. What do you think of that? Oh, pretty common. Sounds like he knew a lot of rich dudes who had young women. Yeah. Especially when they're talking about preferring the young one to the old one. You. Huh. So I think it sounds like nonsense. I don't know. I think the more you, uh, the more effort you put into one thing, the less you're willing to give that thing up. Yes. So I don't know why he would assume that he would just give up his lover based on that same thing, which is contradicting in itself on his own phrase. If you disagree, you know, leave a comment when we, uh, you know, let people know that we publish this episode. Yes, in the future. Start talking to us. We don't know who you are, but a couple of people, like two people on a regular basis, listen to us. Yes. Wait, now that I think about that, I think that's just me. Darn. Oh, damn. You put us out writing comments. Oh, shit. If you start to listen to us and you like it, please let us know. I'm starting yes. to become insecure here. Yes. Maybe it's because I'm a lover of the podcast and I'm, I'm getting weary. Anywho, Phaedrus uses his ridiculous thoughts on the lover to explain that the lover can't trust himself because he is infected with this disease that nobody would try to stop if they have had experience with the same thing themselves. The reason why another person who has loved wouldn't stop another lover is because they know that they are not in their right minds. They are cuckoo for uh, booby puffs. Oh, so basically they're saying, oh, you love her, but she's self-destructive to you. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, they know they are tormented by this spell to cause people to hurt others out of jealousy. Because everyone loves in the same manner. And therefore they stroll around like sapiens of the homo zombies, willing to infect the others. They are incapable of controlling their own actions as well. If one believes this load of crap. Stop that. Sorry. God damn it. Phaedrus must have done a very well-performed survey of the people around the time, you know. Because he goes on to state that there are many more non-lovers than lovers. Mm -hmm. Meaning that there are more better non-lovers than lovers themselves. Meaning that a much more worthy person to choose as a friend is someone who isn't a lover. Hmm. So, I crave another quote. If public opinion be your dread... And you uh, would avoid the reproach. In all probability, the lover who is always thinking that the other men are as emollious of him as he is of them will boast to someone of his successes and make a show of them openly in the pride of his heart. He wants others to know that his labor has not been lost. But the non-lover is more his own master and is desirous of solid good and not of the opinion of mankind. Again, the lover may be generally noted to have seen following the beloved. This is his regular occupation, and whenever they are observed to exchange two words, they are supposed to meet about some affair of love, either past or in contemplation. But when non-lovers meet, no one asks the reason why, because people know that talking to another is natural. Whether friendship is mere pleasure or to be motive. Phaedrus. Wow, this is a, quite the assumption, Phaedrus. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, how do you know that the lover is automatically caring about what other people think? Mm -hmm. Where, why do you think the non-lover doesn't care what other people think? I think it could be other way around because you go to dinner and be like, how come you're single? And they're like, I don't know, whatever, shut up. Yeah, another thing is, uh, Phaedrus apparently cares what Socrates thinks, 
Later on, I'll talk about why I think that, but that's apparent. Phaedrus cares about what Socrates thinks. Otherwise, why would he be boasting about this conversation he had? Yes, Jesus titty fucking Christ. Claims that the lover is jealous of everyone else. And is paranoid that everyone else is out to get them. The lover is in such a tormented state, they are capable of doing all sorts of horrible evil things. Nasty doo-doo. And they're able to not argue very well. Yes. That is right. Every with your other one. lover or with other people? Other people. Ah. They're able to do all sorts of terrible things. Even kill their own lover. Mm. Oh. Yes. Love is merely a delusion. Where you're really in hell. But you think it's nice and cozy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's all it is. Jesus Christ. What a weird outlook. Definitely. Yes. Plus, the more he talks about how lovers are able to do terrible things to their own lovers, it makes me think that... Which does happen, but that, that weird outlook is a little bad. It sounds like he's had the experience himself, is what I was going to say. Yes. He is self-projecting. Yes. Quite obvious. You don't need to be a philosopher to <clears throat> see that. Yep. Why, everybody's naturally a philosopher. Everybody tries to make sense of the world around them. Uh-huh. To claim one person is a philosopher and one is not merely dismisses that very fact. Oh. At least that's what I think. Phaedrus proceeds to claim that non-lovers love merit rather than each other, while the lovers don't have any other cause other than keeping their lover from leaving them. The non-lover then never gets jealous of their friends and will logically hate those who don't want to associate with them, because rather than knowing it's a difference in opinion or misunderstanding, they must be their enemy, no matter what. People never alter their perceptions due to living-altering experiences. This in itself contradicts the fact that uh, a person who has never loved then became a lover automatically becomes horrendous individual with hatred masked by satiating their primal ape-man desires then all the good moments are never forgotten with the non-lovers because they don't experience these living hell experiences. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Non-lovers never experience torment from another individual whatsoever. Maybe he's just trying to justify him being alone, I guess. Yes. It seems like Phaedrus is really just this young kid who uh, is being, you know influenced by Lysias and he's like oh this makes so much sense because I never really thought of it but uh, since now that he's getting me to think about this this is the first thing I heard I'm excited about it and it must be true because you know he went in such great detail right yes this is not the end of the speech by the sapien of homo in this book Phaedrus speaks about improving oneself that's helped out more so by the non-lover this is stated to be due to the anemic judgment from passion of the lover, leading to idolizing your actions and words in a wrong kind of way. Also, unhealthy relationship. Basically, uh, unhealthy idolization of their friends. Oh. Yeah. Like, I envy you. You must envy me like I envy you. Yes. And it's said to spoil the improvement of the lover when they do this. This is unlike all non-lovers, no matter what. For they aren't mentally destroyed by their insanity of love. Lovers also compel other lovers to seek going after things which don't give them pleasure. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Even though love in itself is something one feels when engaged with a pleasure from something, someone, or some place. Any kind of verb, you know. Yes, all we need is love. Love gets people to do all sorts of things. Good and bad. Uh-huh. Like Helen or Troy. Maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't. The bait's still up, I think. Yeah. But, you know, love is the reason why people grow things. Love is the reason why people proceed to live through the struggle of life itself. Mm-hmm. Give it out to single mothers. Oh, yeah. And the single fathers, too. Yes. Don't want to be uh, toxically feminine here. Nah. Damn, it's like the matriarchy is uh, torturing us some more. Oh, I was just saying because of statistics. More single women. Oh, yeah. 
Well, you know, the mother is the home of the human being for the first nine damn months of incubation as yes. there are parasites on the human body. Yes. Anywho, here's another quote from Vedras. But if you listen to me, in the first place, I, in my intercourse with you, shall not merely regard the present enjoyment, but also future advancing. advantage, being not mastered by love, but my own master, nor for small causes taking violent dislikes, but even when the cause is great, slowly laying up little wrath, unintentional ones, I shall try to prevent. And these are the marks of a friendship which will last. Faithless. Wow. Okay. Although there are similar pathways in the brain which are correlated with both addiction and love, I would argue that dismissing a person from having enough willpower to abstain from which they are uh, loving or addicted to is preposterous. How else do you explain people who perform what you call edging? Do you hear of this? Prolonged. Yeah, they stay, they abstain from it for a long period of time. How about staying sober or restricting their diet to get a certain type of thing, you know? Poppycock, I say. Phaedrus proceeds with a question regarding if you believe a lover is only a farm friend, directing the other people to reflect on the fact that we would only have a little value for our relatives, where our love of them is born out of association rather than being lovers. First of all, Plato's own mom had a marriage with her own uncle, which had coitus and led to another kid. Second of all, why pretend that the two in a passionate relationship are just lovers. Uh-huh. Wow, they are Wouldn't boners. that make uh, Plato, or uh, who, his own cousin? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think about his uh, half-brother? That's an even worse position. Oh. He's his own cousin, and his own brother. Oh. Yeah, they boning up. And his father's own cousin, too? Or no? What? No, his father's also his uncle. Yeah, and his uh, mom is also his aunt. Oh, God. Wait, I don't know, it's confusing. Yes. Until this moment, I had no idea there was conflation between sexual intercourse and being lovers. Oh. This can get quite confusing to me. Perhaps that's why Plato's mom had a baby and her own uncle, I don't know. This is just a suggestion. Perhaps the passion sprouted out of uh, fertilizer made from several encounters where uh, people had first been friends and then became lovers, you know. That yes. happens, you know. How can you pretend to know the circumstances of our relationships in such an overly simplistic way? Yes. Friend who was having first baby, I knew they liked each other for a long time. We went to a movie, and she was like, where, where is he, where is he, where is he? And I looked at them both, and I leaned over when she went to go to the restroom. I'm like, dude, she likes you. And they're married and expecting a baby. Oh, that she's wonderful. Yes. I knew her for a while. I could tell. She asked where he was and wanted to sit right next to him. And the crazy thing was, he was on a date with another woman that was her friend. Oh. They were on the skids. No, wait, she was an ex that was still a friend. So, these lovers, both your friends, right? Yes. Would you say they're good friends? Yes. Hmm. That's funny. Cause she comes home say, from work or hanging out with other friends and starts preparing shots for us, not even saying a word, and go, here you go, boys, here's alcohol, and joins us. I would have said, damn you, why you trying to poison me? Well, that's different for you. There are people that sustain because one of our friends is sober, so he just drinks Red Bull or does a shot of water or does whatever. Red Bull? Yeah. That's not sober. No, 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 I mean non-alcoholic. Oh. Thinking about uh, staying away from caffeine for a while. Mm -hmm. Because I, I missed that feeling I got when I first started the caffeine. Oh. It was like whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, so you actually get gain the benefits b before being worn down, right? Worn down? What do you mean? Well, if you have too much caffeine, you crash. And so you it's not as effective and you have to have more and more to make it as effective. Oh, addiction? No, no, just... That's what addiction is. No, addiction... Actually, caffeine's a drug, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. When people need their coffee to wake up. Mm -hmm. 
No, I, I, there are some days where I go without coffee until in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I don't really crash because I don't have sugar. My dad only has one cup now in the morning and that's it. Same with mom. Ah. And co-worker now too, but she had a infection from uh, maybe even kidney stone. I don't know. She's fine now, but one day we're at work and she's very, oh, oh, her husband had to take care of her. I thought she was going to have to take her to the emergency room, but he took care of her, helped her inside and helped her and nursed her back to health. They're lovers? Oh, yes, they have multiple grandkids. So, what is up with this? Mm. This is all contradicting what I was thinking by this guy who wrote this, huh? Yes. He goes on and on with this bologna. Yeah. Yeah, for instance, should we or should we not perform favors for the most eager? Oh, no, no, no. I see what he did there. I, I think it's not the most eager, but expecting something oh, in return for there. it. That's what he's talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, I see what he did there. Yes. He said lovers are clearly the most eager. That's why they're lovers. Yes. End of discussion. To make matters more cockamimi, he claims that if you invite beggars and empty souls for a feast in your own home rather than your friends, they will appreciate you more and bestow many a gifts on your head. <laughs> yes. Claims of seeking after youth is the drive of... Excuse you. Lovers. So, all you cougars out there never get sought after by the long pole of a younger lover, and all you sugar daggeries never get sought after by young girls who crave the well-aged cheesy cock. Filled uh, with the I, have, I have heard the exception to the rule. Man, that means the rule is a fallacy one. No, I mean, there, I've seen younger women that like the other men and older women who like, it's not for the virileness, they just think old men are sticking mud. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that some people like the old, well-aged, cheesy cock filled with jizz mastery. Yes. That's just a fact. You know, they say law, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. This is the logic which leads Phaedrus to trickle down to the moment of claiming that a real friend who is a non-lover would share wealth with you as you age, where those who are lovers only seek young people, even though some young people seek older people, when they're plucking their titties and ass and cock and nipples and balls when they're first ripen, rather than when they have sat there and gotten all the bruises like a old banana. Have you heard the concept age like fine wine? Damn right. Nice stinky foot wine. Oof. Yeah. At least it's not prison wine that can kill you. Yeah. The more Phaedra speaks, the more pain oozes regarding Lysias' speech. Talks about, you know, you quarrel when you're a lover as soon as the passion stops after you get done banging it out. They pick up their belongings and jet once their youth is gone. Yes. Poor Lysias. Poor, poor Lysias. Someone left him once he got old and crusty, I guess. Now he starts distorting the perception of poor Phaedrus. Poor, poor Phaedrus. Still not finished, Phaedrus tells the reader what ought to happen. Love should be for advantage of both parties. Yes, I agree. 69 is a great receiving and reciprocating position for both lovers and non-lovers. Yes. Yeah, at this point, the windbag of blue ball doom is finished for not desiring a favorable response and expecting such Phaedrus asked Socrates what he thought. Parenthesis, I only stated what I assume Phaedrus to desire because this is what he is quoted to say. Quote, Is the discourse excellent, more especially in the matter of a language? Now I will quote Socrates. Yes, quite admirable. The effect on me was ravishing. And this I owe you, Phaedrus, for I observed you while reading to be in ecstasy and thinking that you are more experienced in these matters than I am. I followed your example, and like you, my divine darling, I became inspired with a frenzy. Phaedrus responded, Indeed, you are pleased to be married. Socrates says, Do you mean I am not in earnest? 
Phaedrus calls Socrates out for not being forthright with him, so Socrates lays down some shit. Socrates claims to be unworthy of judging the opinion, for he is ignorant on the subject of lovers and non-lovers, differences and friendship, and what not. Socrates goes into detail on how Lysias must have ran out of words to use, and this is why he went to do circular thought and repeated himself multiple times in different manners. Socrates doubts Lysias had used rhetoric for any other reason than the fact that he could not defend his own position. Lysias was shown to have developed the capability of repeating himself in so many different styles that he just wanted to hear him talk. So flapping one's lip. That's what you do when you talk. So my opinion on rhetoric is rather than philosophy is uh, statements with whatever ammunition can be used for an opinion for the recipient's mind rather than using Socratic method or other forms of philosophy to question what one thinks with logic. This is the major turning point for Socrates' time. I think this is the real reason why Socrates was uh, demanded to die rather than listened to because authority had no need for a coherent philosophy, for more of an understanding because it interfered with brainwashing, like we were talking about. Oh yes, free thinking of philosophy. Yeah, free within the prison of the human mind. Mm-hmm. So, Phaedrus' correlation cessation took off for quite a spin here. When he claims nonsense, the repetition was merely the merit of the speech he claimed. Yes. Ooh, 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 ooh. So he's trying to validate himself. Yes, it was uh, merely just merit of the opinion. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what they miss mean. He said Lysias didn't omit a single damn thing in the discussion. It couldn't have possibly spoken better. No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Nobody could ever improve on the way they said something. Even though improvement is all subjective in its own form. Yes. Socrates claimed that the ancient sages, ancient for their time, both men and women, have spoken about this subject in a much more palatable fashion, and that the mythological boogly monsters would have attacked Socrates if he did just agree with Phaedrus's, or Lysias's speech that Phaedrus had said. At this point, Phaedrus demanded to know who wrote better than Lysias. Socrates then stated that he didn't recall for a certain reason, and threw a couple names out there, Blah, blah, blah. So, here's a quote. Why do I say so? Why? Because I perceive that my bosom is full. And that could make another speech as good as that of Lysias. Indifferent. Now I am certain that this is not an invention of my own. Who am well aware that I know nothing. And therefore I cannot infer that I have been filled through the cars. Like a pitcher from the waters of another. Though I have actually forgotten in my stupidity who was my informant. I liked it. I think when he means breastful, I think he means full of life like air breathing, I think. Do you think that's true, what he was stating? I thought bosom being full is kind of like I've got enough weight on my shoulders. Oh, maybe. I don't know. They didn't specify. It's pretty ambiguous, especially when you have, you know, what people think about now times completely differently. Yes. Like the way they speak in this book, much different. Yes, philosophy can be a hard cookie to crack. Hence why people go to many degrees about it. Ah, you want to hear another quote? Sure. That is grand, but never mind the where you heard the discourse or from whom. Let that be a mystery not to be divulged even at my earnest desire. Only, as you say, Promise to make another better oration, equal in length and entirely new on the same subject. And I, like the nine archons, will promise to set up a golden image at Delphi, not only of myself, but of you as large as life, Phaedrus. Yep. Mm -hmm. So he's so sure that Lysias was uh, really good that uh, he would do something completely idolizing them both which would get them uh, charged with impiety. Yeah. Hmm. He is uh, pretty clingy for this opinion here. Yeah. So Phaedrus gets called a golden ass for this assumption that Socrates claimed that Lysias completely missed the mark altogether. 
and for thinking Socrates could make a speech without including some of Lysias' own speech. Socrates claimed that Lysias was correct in mentioning how lovers have no discretion, while non-lovers do, stating that this is a commonplace to witness, since something that is of commonplace is something that is not owned by Lysias, but is something that can be used to invent a whole nother thought, but by using that same notion. At this point, I lost all hope in the conversation. Socrates had uh, believed that all lovers have no discretion, even though there are many people that they had not known to be lovers because they were being secret for one reason or another. Yes. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Aha. But I have also seen non-lovers uh, have no discretion trying to gain a lover and become foolish. Yes, but at that point, you'd call them a lover because they were seeking to satiate their ape-man desires. Oh, okay. So it's someone who loves, not people who are in love. No, they made that distinction when they were claiming that uh, family members are not lovers, but they love each other. Yes. For different reasons. Yes. It's the platonic love. Unless if uh, you were Plato's mom. You. Yep. Phaedrus permits Socrates to start on one premise, which is that the lover is uh, more flawed on his wits compared to the non-lover, allowing Socrates to do this, along with other arguments, with a longer and better speech. Phaedrus doubts such an accomplishment to such a point he would say that he would help raise a statue, a gold statue of Socrates, with the other colossal offerings at the Sipsalids of Olympia. Socrates lays down some shit. Here's a quote. How profoundly in earnest is the lover, because to tease him, I lay a finger upon his love. And so, Phaedrus, you really imagine that I am going to approve upon the ingenuity of Lysias? He just called Phaedrus a lover himself. Basically pointed out Phaedrus's reaction. Even if that wasn't his intention, that's what I read. Hmm, a little more back and forth until Socrates again shows how untaught he is on the art of love and that the art of rhetoric is something of Lysias rather than Socrates himself. Mm. It seems as though Socrates is being sarcastic and tempts Phaedrus to the point of acting irrational based on his own love for that thought. Anywho, it goes to a point where Socrates starts to justify what Lysias had stated to Phaedrus, which is pretty sad. Basically pointing out all the crazy crap. Talking about how the lover doesn't treat his love very well and that he becomes insecure and is willing to uh, do terrible things to her oh. and treats his lover like a wolf treats a lamb. Or doormat. Yeah, and that the lovers are incapable of having friends who have equal or greater opinions that differ, and anything that changes in opinion is something of evil. Where well, I disagree. Well. Then it seems as though the satire that people talk about is really in regards to using mythology to argue the otherwise. This is why Plato is quoted saying that love is a mental disease. And even at that point, Socrates had said something along the lines that to claim that love is bad is to claim that love is something of evil. Yes. And to claim that is to say that the gift of love given by the goddess of love is saying that the goddess is evil. In the insanity that is bestowed upon the lover is not a gift but something evil. So what they're doing is impious by saying otherwise. Oh. Surprisingly, evil can be done for love, and that has happened, but not as often. Well, the, you know, love is such an ambiguous word. Yes. But, to, you know, Socrates does go into detail saying we must first set a shared definition of what a lover is. Because one could be a lover of food and all that jazz and be addicted to it and, you know, fall victim of their own desires and neglect all the responsibilities that they're supposed to have. Yes. Nevertheless, 
I disagree with all of this. Nonsense, bully-boo. I will tell you another thing. That Socrates stated that sight is the most piercing of uh, bodily senses. Hmm. But, I would say, it depends on your neurological connections. Yes. Because a blind man does not see like everybody else. Yes. And people with one eye do not see depth perception like all the other people. Yes. And but they uh, learn to cope. And I also think that being pierced by a foreign object is more piercing than sight. Oh. So there you go. Something Plato said. Next week will be part three of Plato. Yes. Have you had enough? Do you think they've had enough? I don't know. I don't think so. I am eager to learn more. This was very interesting. I'm going to go into the Republic by Plato. Oh, it's said the to long be one. The long one. The long and I'm going to listen to it because there's a free audiobook on, you know, your podcast apps. Oh, yes. And this book is free on podcast too if you don't like reading. But since this is a long book, I'm actually going to listen to it rather than reading it like I did here. Yes. If you really care to go into something that's not neuroscientific, but more philosophy, then I'm starting to understand why Hippocrates did not care for philosophers sticking their nose where it did not belong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Too many variations. Yeah. Socrates and Phaedrus speak along the lines of describing love as like another type of sacred disease, like a fourth or fifth kind. Yes. Which is kind of funny. And also, they said, have you never seen a madman be so well endowed with insanity to the point where they would passionately do something good for their friend? That is one argument that disagreed with both Socrates and Phaedrus as they appeared to make asses of themselves in a satirical form. Yes. But since it is not specified by Plato in his writing whether this is satirical or not, at which point, it's speculation, but I assume that the later portion is all speculation, making a mockery of the deities. Anywho, next week will be part three. Bye. Bye. Vote for Gork. And void Vice President 2020. Screw the others.
Yeah. 